Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your bags on Luke. On Luke. I'm Captain Captain Jingwei, the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Jingwei, the USS Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Franica. I'm Ben Harrison. Back. Back from a birthday trip to New York. Yeah, how was your big birthday trip to New York? I don't like going to New York without you. Ah. You are New York to me. I was feeling a lot of sadness about not being there with you. I wanted to drink all the drinks, eat all the eats. Ride all the Pelotons? Did I tell you I did that out there? <laughs> yeah, you were saying you were going to go to the the mothership of Peloton. I did something great out <laughs> when there. When are these fucking people going to sponsor our show, by the way? No wonder their company is struggling. I think that's part of it. They maybe don't see the value proposition of getting into a partnership with us. Maybe after today they will. Yeah. I did something that a lot of the Jim Shimoda folks, I think, would be interested in doing. That, of course, the hashtag GYM Shimoda fitness community of FODs. Yeah. And, like, I really wanted to do this. Like, I carved out some time to go to the studio and take classes, and I wanted to take two classes from two very specific instructors. Like, oh, yeah. Because the instructors are kind of like celebrities. They really are. And that's something I wanted to talk to you about, because... Like, I really got to become a fan at a live event yeah. and, like, do a meet and greet after in a way that was, like, such a great reminder of how meaningful that stuff is. If you're an enthusiast for a thing, <laughs> like, wow, I haven't been on the other side in a long time, and it felt good. Right. It felt good to get that. Yeah. I think that uh, when we've done live shows, it's often something that's pitched to us, like do a, a VIP ticket and, and right. meet the people. And often we've met that with some skepticism like that. Do, really, do people really want to do that? That's always where it comes from is a, uh, like- Us? Who cares? <laughs> how good could this be for them? Yeah. But it was a reminder that it is only for them and and so little for you in, in that arrangement, you know? <laughs> Alex is my favorite biking instructor, and so I had to like get waitlisted for his class because he's very popular. Yeah. Come on, I'm gonna kick your ass today. Come on. And I could be on a transcontinental flight with Alex seated right next to me, and I wouldn't say anything, no. not because I was too nervous, but because I don't know Alex from Adam. Right. Yeah. Big big star. Finally got into the class, and I got to do it with my wife and a good friend of ours. You know, you know Grant. Yeah, longtime friend of mine. He lives in New York with his wife, and we were out visiting them for the weekend. And we, all three of us, got into the class, <laughs> and it was so exciting. Yeah, you're you're sort of cattle called in there, and you're you're assigned your bike. And I was told because Grant had taken these classes before. He's like, "Look, man, you don't want to get the bad bike. There's a bad bike in there." If you get the bad bike, make sure you hop off and hop onto another. And I was like, Grant, I don't know. I don't know how to identify a bad bike by looking at it. And he's like, you'll know, because we got split up. I got off the standby list first. And then my wife and Grant got in like before the door to the airplane shut. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> they weren't sure they were going to make it in until the very end. So I got in there and I thought I was on a pretty good bike. So I stayed and. You would like the production of this because there is a lot 
to it. Like there's a whole control room and there's producers in the studio and there's like there's a preamble before the class starts. And it's very live feeling because there's a countdown and an entrance and it is big fucking energy. Like the music is loud. Do they have like a warm up comic to get everybody psyched? I was really surprised by that. No, the room is is basically like it's just playing music kind of softly while you load in and you get ready yeah, yeah. and you're pedaling to kind of warm up and you're in there for like 20 minutes, just killing time. And then the music gets loud and the lights change. Yeah. And here comes Alex loud and enthusiastic and like <laughs> high-fiving people and like hopping on the bike and shit is going off. Like I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It was crazy. And we did our 30-minute ride and it was super fun. And I got a birthday shout out because it was my birthday. Yeah. And it was my 400th ride. And that was another thing too. Like you want to go and do a milestone here. Wow, so you, you get you really synced them up. Yeah. So I went in there and, and got some shout outs. And any Jim Shimoda who's on the Peloton who wants to ride my ride, you might be able to see me in the class. It's the May 6th ride with Alex Dusan. Wow. So the the, the camera pans over the over yeah. the crowd. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was great. Alex made a comment about my headband because I was the only person in there wearing a headband. That was fun. <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, the camera panning over the crowd, and uh, you may be able to see Adam in a video shot in New York. Uh-huh. As of this, we will be back from uh, recording the re-encounter at Farpoint. How about that? Yeah. Lots of miles flying back and forth to New York lately. If I'm reading this correctly, it will have been filmed and tickets to watch the stream of it will be available now at greatestgentour.com. And it's going to be a lot like the streaming spectacular, but for the re-encounter at Farpoint. It's going to be a lot like a Peloton class because when you're watching the stream at home, you can you can do it from a, a bicycle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or a couch or uh, anywhere in between. Is there a live chat on a, on a Peloton ride? Because there will be one at the re-encounter at Farpoint stream. It's high fives only, which is a lot less exciting than a live chat. <laughs> uh, the chat's going to be a ton of fun. You and I always hang out in the in the chat. Oh, yeah. Speaking of meet and greets, we're going to have a meet and greet as uh, one of the options for tickets. All of that, greatestgentour.com. Yeah. I swear yeah. to God you didn't set me up for this. <laughs> <laughs> that was very natural feeling. <laughs> like that's where we were headed all along. Mm, yeah. I've always thought that I was headed straight for the grave all along, Adam. Much like uh, Bolana Torres in today's episode. Yeah. Yeah. What do you say we uh, buy two tickets, Ben, in coach <laughs> for Voyager Season 6, Episode 3, Barge of the Dead? <laughs> Yeah, okay, you talked me into it. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. (laughs) Our cold open finds us with BLT in an about-to-crash shuttle. Yeah, we start in media bang. It's not pilot-related. No. It's uh, it's ion storm-related. And I thought at first, like so many other shuttle crashes that have been Chakotay (laughs) at the wheel... The shuttle isn't going into a planet. It's going into the shuttle bay. This effect shot is incredible. Yeah, really great job here. Oh, man, so fun. 
getting to see out the front window as the shuttle makes a hard landing on the floor of the shuttle bay. It's kind of cool that like you you don't need a super clean effect shot to sell this because everything's shaky and smoky and and crazy feeling. Yeah. They did a perfect job with this. Yeah. BLT bangs her head on the way in. Bang of the head. <laughs> <laughs> Medic Tom Paris is uh, here to uh, scan her with a medical tricorder. Tricorder <laughs> of the medic. Did I, did I do that right? You did it great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's just a mild concussion, Ben. And, uh, you know, you just send her right back out onto the football field with one of those. Right. She is not concussed enough to not get in trouble. So she heads to Janeway's office where she is dressed down for uh, risking life and limb to save a multispatial probe. The one that they have, like they only have the one multispatial probe, but they also only have one BLT. I think a lot of people would risk it all for a high value probe. Yeah. You don't want to lose that thing. <laughs> That's... That's why the whole thing about the flared base. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do not lose the probe. Yeah. I think this is something that Janeway can appreciate in this scene. Kind of a, like, you're in trouble for going above and beyond. <laughs> <laughs> Later that night, BLT is alone in her quarters when Chakotay comes in with a wooden shoe that they found wedged in her port nacelle. Yeah. Hence the word sabotage. And this wooden shoe is a Klingon design. I really love how Beltran and Dawson like play with the weight of this thing. Yeah. Like you really get a sense of its mass in this scene in a fun way. Like it could weigh nothing in reality, but they do a great job selling it. It's hefty. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, like the the idea is that this is a piece of an old Klingon ship. That's what fucked up her shuttle, and uh, it is pretty wild as far as discoveries go because it means there was a, a Klingon bird of prey in the D quad like a long, long time ago, and that makes it like an archaeological find. Reminds me to plant a flag on behalf of the Empire. I like the dismissiveness with which BLT sort of kicks in the theory that Chakotay had about, wow, so like the first Klingon explorers were out here doing their Klingon exploring and BLT's like, they were probably assimilated. <laughs> and then their ship was sort of blown out the trash chute of a Borg <laughs> ship. And that's how all this crud got into my nacelle. Yeah. So she puts it down on a glass table and the camera pans so ominously down to the like below shot of this thing yeah. on the glass table that I was like, this glass table is fucking done for. It's a real TNG season one angle up through that table for sure. <laughs> it is. Table of the glass. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one piece of marking on this piece of metal is a Klingon logo. And this thing starts bleeding. And uh, it's BLT eyes to commercial as this blood like seeps out onto the table and then disappears. Do you think this is a sequence that has both practical and special effects in it? I thought the blood, the, some of the blood on the table looked real, but then like the ooze out yeah. didn't quite look real. Like, And in the darkened quarters, 
I think it was really hard to tell. I think in a way that that served the effect if it was one. Right. I think it is an effect, but it's like, yeah, it's an effect that is like not trying for something that they're not quite able to do. You know, this is an episode that's unique for its use of effects, especially in the like river of blood scenes that come later. Totally. And I wonder if any of that plug in was was used here as well as the <laughs> river of blood, you know? Yeah. So uh, the next morning, BLT has a hang with uh, Harry Kim down in engineering and they've put this hunk of metal up on some kind of scanner. And Harry Kim is really not into the idea that there's something special about this, that blood came out of it, that BLT saw what she thought she saw. Harry, like, kind of whispers to to BLT, he's like, you know, I see I see blood coming out of a lot of things. This is Jesus. My tolerance for this is pretty high. He's like, did you try putting a towel on the bed, BLT? Because <laughs> it's really, there's nothing to stop you from doing whatever you want. Things seem kind of out of order here, right? Because if BLT is seeing blood that doesn't actually exist, she should be talking to the doc and not Harry Kim. Wouldn't yeah. you say? Yeah. It's also three in the morning Yeah, in this sequence. So she's like gotten him up out of bed to, to talk about this. I think that's part of why he's so annoyed at her. I mean, this is stick man time. Right. Right here. Yeah. <laughs> you pull him off the beat <laughs> to work overtime. Those Delaney sisters are, are going un- wooed at the moment yeah what are you doing yeah let's just stick this thing in a containment field and deal with it in the morning what is neelix doing up to is he like a baker where he gets up super early to get breakfast ready for everyone <laughs> overtime of the dead <laughs> you don't get rewarded for working extra hours either no neelix is just a try hard so yeah the way he's trying hard today is he's uh, looked into a lot of interesting uh, Klingon history. I've been doing some research. Why? He wants to throw a big celebration for BLT and her great archaeological discovery yeah. in the Klingon style. And this goes to something that you brought up recently, which is the sort of erasure of BLT's Klingon cultural heritage. Right. And this is something that we've talked about Paris engaging in a lot. Like when Paris does a special thing for BLT or they engage in some kind of ceremony. It often is the human version thereof. And Neelix is going hard in the other direction in a way that really chafes against her. And uh, she is not enjoying it. But wouldn't you say that the person this should chafe against, that you detect no chafing at the entire episode is Paris? Because let me try to articulate a concept here that I think you'll understand. I think FODs will will get this too. If I weren't doing a good job respecting my wife's cultural heritage or interest or whatever, uh-huh. and some fucking dude throws a party in celebration of that, like to sort of make up for my deficiency, <laughs> that would reflect poorly on me. And what's interesting about this episode is that is... Never interrogated. No. <laughs> Paris's feelings in that way. Like, Paris should feel stepped on here. He should. He does not. No. No. <laughs> this Klingon party later, as far as parties go, have to be one of the most fun types to plan, right? The, the regalia. Yeah. The wine. 
the food. Oh, man. Good stuff. So, yeah, Neelix is off to plan that. But BLT is off to have a little hang with Tuvok before the big event. And he, you know, this candle made me nervous that uh, some freshening up was going to be taking place. Did you start to lose track of time here, given the sequence of events that we've gone through? Like, we're... We're in engineering, and then yeah. we're talking to Neelix about the party, and then we're going straight to Tuvox. Did you feel like this was the same night? So that engineering sequence is at 3 a.m. This also is really lit and shot like it is a nighttime sequence. So, yeah. It- this felt like useful confusion to me, though, because yeah, you don't feel quite comfortable with where and when you are. And... Neelix was acting super weird in that scene before, and now Tuvok is acting really weird. You know, like he really nails her with the turn of phrase self-loathing Klingon and then (laughs) starts, uh, you know, showing her the bat lefts and starts kind of showing off his own skills of a warrior. And he sort of pivots in his personality. Like the, the vibes are dreamlike throughout this whole experience for BLT. How unusual would it be to fight your therapist in a session, Ben? <laughs> uh, I would say that my therapist has uh, has gotten me in the cheek with a sword once or twice. Damn. <laughs> She's a nice older lady, but she can swing a, a batleth with the best of them. Nice moves with Tim Russ here. I think it can be easy to look like Star Wars kid if you're winging around a batleth. Yeah. Especially if it's not, you know, your your character's primary tool like this is. But Tuvok looks great doing this. And he looks great up to the moment he slashes BLT's cheek. Yeah. And then he talks a little shit before, <laughs> before she leaves. It's great. <laughs> You're not worthy of the blood in your veins. I like this a lot. It's really awkward when they make eye contact at the party. Like she shows up with Tom Paris yeah. and pretty quickly they make eye contact with Tuvok who stomps out of there angry. Tuvok doesn't do the like thumb across the throat. He does like the thumb under the eye. <laughs> right across the apple of the cheek. Yeah. <laughs> of course it's locked in. What? Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. Do very interesting audio in this party sequence because the doctor is talking to Seven about singing Klingon opera and mm-hmm. that's kind of like the foregrounded audio, but the camera kind of focuses on different things while we're hearing that. And we get that floaty camera perspective too that suggests something unusual as well. I was thinking a lot about this camera float in this way can be so overdone. And if you put like a a wide angle lens on it, especially more so, but this is nice. This is subtle. I I really liked it. Neelix has replicated some gach and figured out how to make replicator gach move around a little bit. Yeah. Which Riker never, never did. You know, when Riker was uh, preparing for his officer exchange program, he just had the still kind. Yeah. Yeah, he had to practice with still. And then when he was eating live ammo later, <laughs> he's taking it down. <laughs> the most popular place at this party is around the jug of blood wine, obviously. And I like to see that. That actually 
gave BLT and Paris some time to kind of peel off yeah. and go sit by themselves. And this is a scene where BLT confide something really, I don't know, surprising to me was that, that how much her mom would have loved a party like this. We don't hear much about BLT's mom on the show. No, but uh, her mom appreciated all things Klingon in a way that BLT very much does not. Yeah. And she prevails on Paris to respect her <laughs> her wishes to tone down the Klingon shit, the uh, the Klingon cultural appropriation that everybody else is engaging in with some zeal. Oh, come on, Bolana. They're all doing this for you. Well, then they don't know me very well. Maybe this is good for the show and maybe it isn't, but I had an interesting direction to take this. Okay. At what point does... Direction <laughs> of the damned! <laughs> At what point does the appreciation of a culture that isn't yours become awkward or tacky or bad? Because there's a lot of moments in this scene where like Paris and BLT are talking and BLT is looking at her crew participating in this party. And I really think that that's an interesting line where like you want to depict them having a good time and appreciating the gawk, but you don't want to show them having too good of a time, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that like if they'd all gotten loaf put on by the doctor before coming down, that would be different. So it really comes down to uh, the costuming and the makeup that would be over the line? (laughs) I think so. Because I think that like um, in these conversations that are being had about cultural appropriation, a lot of it is about like when and how somebody kind of puts on the, the cultural signifiers of another culture. Like... Right. You know, a post Malone sort of speaking in a black scent and having a certain kind of music when it is convenient and then not and doing other shit when it is more profitable to be a different way. You really want to be on the on the receiving end of post Malone fan letters, Ben? <laughs> I wonder what the post Malone friend of DeSoto uh, event diagram looks like. <laughs> when you get letters from their fan club, it's from the post post. I guess so. That would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> or like I read about like a uh, company in the UK that claimed to have invented making plantain chips and like mm. every single person in the global South just like collectively rolled their eyes. I'm going to admit something here kind of personal, which is I think I often am reluctant to participate in, you know, cultural things that aren't my own because I am reluctant to look like a tourist yeah, or look dumb or look like I'm making fun of a thing that I'm sincerely trying to, like, understand. And I wonder how pervasive that feeling is just broadly, like, in the world. And if that stops people from understanding each other. Yeah. Because I know I know that's a barrier for me. I think that I'd rather people be sort of toward that end of the spectrum than too gleefully like putting on the feathered headdress and 
you know, yeah. dressing up as or whatever. Like, I think it is a tough needle to thread. And I, I'm definitely self-conscious in those contexts as well. Like when I go to a wedding or yeah. something that's like very specifically in a religious or cultural context that is not my own, it is very hard to know like how much to engage and like what parts are, yeah. you know, like you're obviously being welcomed in, but it's like, which parts am I being welcomed into? And like, am I going to miss a barrier that isn't apparent to me, but will be hurtful or feel strange to people who are inside of that culture? Yeah. I went to a Catholic funeral once and I just barely avoided making the mistake of taking communion there. Like, I'm not invited to take communion at a Catholic mass. Oh, yeah. And I didn't really know that. And like the rows were going back and back toward me. And I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. And finally, I think someone near me said something about like, yeah, you just you just stay there, dude. <laughs> you don't you don't get to eat that. Yeah. I similarly went to a Jewish funeral one time and I noticed that the guy in the casket had my putter <laughs> and I didn't know what to do about that. He was being buried with my putter that I loaned to him. God, that sucks. That club's irreplaceable. It's 10 years old. They don't make it anymore. I'm so sorry. Janeway gives a toast. This is a special moment for any captain. All captains look forward to the Klingon cultural toast and... She starts toasting, and then the toast starts getting low. Yeah. And slow. Toast of the slow! <laughs> the lighting shifts. Her yeah. voice sounds like it's going through a blaster beam. Yeah. And now there's like warriors stalking around, swinging swords at everybody. How about this? This turns into a mass casualty event. What a tragedy! Ugh. What a tragedy and what a treat because every actor on this show gets to do a death scene. And I feel like you've got to relish this so much. You don't get to do many of these when you're on a TV series for seven seasons or yeah. whatever. <laughs> I especially appreciated seeing Garrett Wong like get his, like in a like, wow, that's got to be so much fun. Do you think Picardo and Jerry Ryan felt like they got ripped off having to do theirs as a tandem death? Yeah, yeah. I'd want a solo death, Ben. A solo death seems more fun, right? I'm very proud of of my alignment with you personally and uh, professionally, but I want to die by myself. What if we get sucked out of an airlock together? What if we go down on the same plane? Damn, the day the, day the Star Trek podcast died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they there would be songs about it. Bad parody songs. Star Trek podcast of the dead. <laughs> Wendy would have to assemble episodes out of AI generated voices of ours. Unfortunately, that chat GPT experiment we did would become the show and I know. it would not be good. How about new? Ugh. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so <laughs> BLT is the last to go, and she wakes up on the deck of a great big ship. She's, a, you know, it's like there's like lightning, there's wind blowing everywhere, there's uh, open flames and braziers like swinging from chains. And she asks where she is, and, uh, you know, warriors are, are not 
permitted to ask questions. <laughs> Do you want to die tonight? That's a question. So she tries to turn off the holodeck. <laughs> a warrior does not ask directions. <laughs> she can't end the program because uh, this is not a program. How about this atmosphere? I just want to note this a little more. Like, I was wondering if the set was cantilevered at all. Yeah. Because the motion of the boat is so realistic feeling. It's not just camera motion because it felt like the swinging of of chains and stuff on board looked pretty practical. I agree. And it seemed like some of the dialogue was looped in these uh-huh. boat scenes. And yeah. so I wondered if that was because the machinery of rocking the set back and forth was loud. Yeah. <laughs> this was big fun. Every scene on the barge was great. Yeah. These warriors get a brand. It's the the Klingon logo, and they try to brand her face. And uh, they stick it on her face, and the brand doesn't take. Seemed like it hurt, though. If your face is being held so a brand could do your cheek, do you stop struggling so at least they hit cheek and and not accidentally hit eye or mouth or something? <laughs> I think there's got to be a moment of no return where you've given yourself over to the idea of the brand and it's going to happen. Right, because if they have to back up and go for it again, it's going to just be a mess, you know? Like, at least you get the good logo in the cheek clean, like like sharp lines. Yeah. No, I mean, and it's like you don't want to wake up when you're drunk and you fell asleep at the party and your friends are drawing dicks on you because then the dick is going to be a total mess. It's not going to be a nice clean dick on your face. Good, sharp dick. That's what you want. (laughs) Sharpie of the dick. (laughs) So BLT having been rebuffed, after asking directions, looks up at the sign and says that the next stop is Greythor on the Barge of the Dead. And the dude next to her on the ship is like, uh, everything you've been seeing on Voyager, that's just your mind. Your mind can't grasp the idea of death when you're dying. And so what your mind does is it clings to this fantasy of a life until you get that life destroyed the way you have. (laughs) (laughs) And this is a very useful piece of information she's being given, I think. Yeah, she learns that this is called the Naj. Yeah. The dream before dying. And uh, that she is here on this barge because uh, she died without honor. Yeah. I (laughs) love... This is not supposed to be a funny scene. But BLT starts hearing voices. And they they get up toward the, the stern of the barge of the dead. And uh, it's clear she's not the only one hearing voices. And this other Klingon dude climbs up to the top and jumps overboard (laughs) at hearing these voices and gets eaten up by these Klingon eels. Yeah. Who knew? Wow. Wow. The voices aren't real, but those eels are. Are the eels making the voices? Oh, like sirens? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of thought that the eels might be mimicking... Or like using uh, telepathy to make you think you're hearing your friends. (laughs) We really need more on these eels. Yeah. When's the eels? (laughs) 
Is there like a technical manual for Star Trek Voyager that has a chapter on the eels? The camera tilts down to the Klingon eel and uh, and an eel looks at the camera and he's like, I'm in your blood. (laughs) Klingon eels, there's actually two eels. Mm, Yeah, very true. Yeah. They both got to (laughs) eat. So BLT now meets Kortar, who is the guy working the wheel of this barge. I thought for sure Kortar would be the guy who was up next at the wheel, you know? Right, right. (laughs) You put your Kortar up there uh, so you got next, Mm -hmm. got the next game. (laughs) Getting his pool cue chalked up and, uh, and preparing but he's also the first Klingon. He's the dude that killed the Klingon gods. And yeah. uh, for his trouble, he got stuck with this gig for the rest of eternity. He's the person that pilots the barge of the dead from the world of the living to Gorthar. Do I remember mm. that correctly? Let's go with that. Let's go with that until we get there. Yeah. <laughs> Grethor. <laughs> right. So yeah, she's here because uh, her mom has been dishonored. And uh, she's like, how has my mom been dishonored? And he's like, because you didn't do your Klingon shit. That shit splashes onto her. Great moment before we go to commercial. Like, BLT's mom appears, and then the camera racks into BLT, and she's like, my mom is here, so this really is hell. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, in the world of the living, Paris is like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I don't have to spend eternity with my mother-in-law? Great news for me. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Am I making any sense here? Paris explains that uh, she just woke up from a shuttle accident. What? Yeah. yeah. BLT has, uh, has woken up in Six Bay. They are uh, examining her, you know, light concussion And everything we've seen up till now has been a dream of hers or an experience that she had after essentially dying. Right. So she's, uh, you know, she's torn up, her her uniform's all fucked up. And interestingly, she has the exact same wound on her hand that Kortar gave her. Yeah. She's got (laughs) Kustigmata. Yeah. Kustigmata. Exactly. Uh Uh-huh. And they don't know anything about the Klingon artifact. And that made me sad because I wanted more of this prop. I totally agree. Like the switcheroo of there being no Klingon bird of prey in the D-Quad was actively a disappointment to me. Because they spent so much time talking about like the implications of that and like, you know, what does it mean and how did they get here and stuff. Sometimes a Star Trek episode doesn't know what is the most interesting thing about itself. (laughs) And this is one of those moments where, where like, I feel like we could just take a hard left into that. I was so interested in that and and wondering what the implications of them having walked away from it were yeah. that I almost missed a very fun practical effect in this shot where you see the wound on her hand and the doctor is waving the light on it and it lowers out of frame and a different hand that doesn't have a wound <laughs> on it comes back up into frame. God, this is this is straight out of college film right there. God, I love it. Oh, it's so good. And I watched it a couple of times. I'm pretty sure that the hand with the wound on it is not Roxanne Dawson's that hand. And the one that comes back is. 
but they sell it great because she's holding that hand by the wrist. So, yeah. so when it comes back up into frame, she's still holding it. And that other hand holding onto the wrist really helps carry it across the finish line and makes it a nicely executed little, little visual gag. The foot fetishists are more well-known out there in the fan community, but the hand freaks, they can <laughs> oh, tell yeah. the difference in this scene. Oh, those nasty hand freaks are like, wait a second, Roxanne Dawson has 10 out of 10 hands. What's this 9.5 doing here? A hand fetishist is just jacking it during an episode of Star Trek Voyager, like always, and they're like, oh, oh what is this? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> That's not the hand I was jacking it to. <laughs> Jack off! They're dead! <laughs> I thought you were gonna go swap of the hand! <laughs> no bad ideas. Okay. So Chicote comes in to talk to her after hours. Again, she's hanging out in her apartment alone. Oh, Ben, I looked up what might have happened to that, you know, that Klingon piece of plating. It uh-huh. got lodged in uh, BLT's nacelle. Yeah. And it actually was up for auction. No shit. Yeah. It was a couple of years ago, and I clicked through. You know how on eBay you can see how many bids there were? Right. And a uh, lot of action on this. Really? You know who the high bidder was? Who? Garrett Wong. No fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. Again. <laughs> that dude's mantle. He's going to have to get like a, a second house with another mantle. If you had this prop, wouldn't you attach like kind of a practical blood effect to it? (laughs) Like a flower for a clown, like a squirting flower? Yeah. That'd be fun. I think you'd have to. Yeah. So Chakotay comes into BLT's quarters to talk about this experience she's had. And I thought it was very interesting that he was really not in the headspace to embrace the veracity or the like you know spiritual significance of her experience here yeah like i mean of all people on the crew chakotay would be the best to sort of discuss a vision quest with and she's like describing it to him and he's like yeah yeah yeah, dream logic symbolism you know just figure out what your subconscious is trying to tell you that's all that's going on here i love that chakotay is like you know this isn't that weird i mean For a time, my grandfather thought he was a teen wolf, and that doesn't make him (laughs) Michael J. Fox. (laughs) So, like, I think this is something that you could probably get over fairly easily. She really believes that she was on that barge, man, and, and that the barge is real, that the Klingon religion is real, and that this is about unfinished business between her and her mother, who she hasn't spoken to in 10 years. I think when you're sketching out this story and all of the details of the barge are collected, I think the detail of the mom is a really great flourish here. Yeah. She thinks it's all hooey until her mom appears, and that makes all the difference. I thought it was weird that Chakotay didn't point out that while she hasn't spoken to her mom in 10 years, like half that isn't really anyone's fault. Because they've been <laughs> stranded in the D-Quad for five of those. They don't really ring this bell too much this episode, but also the idea of them not knowing if she's alive or dead is... That is real sad shit that everyone on the ship is dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, she has chosen to believe that this means her mom 
died mm-hmm. for real and she encountered her real mom in an afterlife or like a pre-afterlife situation yeah. on this barge of the dead. Even pre-afterlife can get you pregnant. Right. So. Yeah. Not to mention afterlifing in a hot tub. Right. Indeed. But like her secular non-Klingon lifestyle is fucking up her mom's afterlife because if BLT has no honor, that splashes onto her family. And even though her mom has lots of honor, she's going to die and suffer the ignominy of not getting to go to Stovo Corps. I've got to get that platinum. Get that robe enlargement. I've got to get that platinum. Are you planning a heist? Gold. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace. And I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. BLT's back to work later on, but she's not really working. She brought some personal reading material with her into engineering. (laughs) And this is something that Paris notices when he chats her up. And all of this is explained to Paris, the story of her mom and and the dishonor and so forth. And Paris gets a, don't you see, done at him. Don't you see? I have a chance to rescue my mother. And I feel like you're a real asshole if you don't get on the person's level after a don't you see. Uh Uh-huh. You're kind of obligated to believe a don't you see, right? I guess so. But in Paris's defense, she's like reading a scroll in a language he doesn't read. And like... (laughs) It's funny BLT's pointing it out with... A finger that may or may not be hers. You're going to have to ask the the hand fetish community about that. (laughs) She's like, don't you see? And he's like, what I see, Bolana, is a manicure that doesn't match the one you had in the last frame. (laughs) I can't jack it to that manicure. (laughs) The continuity is all off. Harry Kim's in the corner. He's like, I could jack it to that. Yeah. Yeah. He was stating the obvious again. Twice. (laughs) She's got to go back in, Adam. Yeah. She's got to go back to the barge and save her mom. We cut to the conference room where BLT is asking Captain Janeway if she's seen Flatliners. (laughs) And I have not. (laughs) I have not seen that movie. What about the remake? No? (laughs) How could you remake that? A Stone Cold classic. Yeah, they did. I've never seen either version. No? But I'm going to start with the remake. Uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I am on Janeway's side here. There's coffee in that limit to how far I'll let religious practices go aboard this ship. But there's an important aspect to the argument against that Janeway does not deploy, which is the Death Wish episode mm-hmm. that BLT had not that long ago. Because yeah. Janeway's point is like, I can't let you risk your life for this spiritual quest you're on. It just doesn't seem worth it. And this isn't like a anti-religion thing. It's a, I need you as a part of my crew right. thing. And I think the final like gilding of this argument would have been the, and also you remember all those times you tried to kill yourself not that long ago? <laughs> like, I think we're still on a form of probation there, right? <laughs> Like, what kind of captain would I be right. if I let you do this right after censuring you for all of that behavior not that long ago? You're under observation. And yeah. <laughs> the argument is about, like, is this a religious freedom thing or not? And Janeway's like, well, 
if you want to do sacrifice a child to appease your gods, I wouldn't let you do that. And BLT is like, what if I sacrificed a child to run the ship, like to provide energy for, <laughs> for the ship for a certain amount of time? Would you be up for that? Long live the first servant. Lori, you can't do this to him. Stop! What if that child were mm, Naomi Wildman? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. It's a no-go, but then BLT really appeals on the, like, haven't you learned to trust me? Sort of putting Janeway in the, like, you are my surrogate mother position in a way. Well, it was an interesting order to the argument too, right? Because once it seems clear that it's going to be a no for this idea, BLT, like, slams Janeway pretty hard about, like, you're just, like, my mom, who is like clinging to Klingon weapons and the Book of Kalis, and you're like Orthodox Starfleet or whatever, you're just like two versions of the same person. Right. And then she softens up after that argument, and, and that combination seems to have persuaded her. It's like, don't go down the path that my mom went down that led to our 10-year rift, or really five-year rift plus five years of us being stranded out here. This is Delta Quadrant interest, right? <laughs> Compounding weekly. Yeah. So if you feel like we've come a long way of you mentoring me and making a great officer out of me, like let me do the same with my mom and- this causes Janeway to change her mind, and we smash down to Six Bay, where they've sort of like set it up partially as a Klingon ceremonial space because they've brought in like you know some decorations and some big candles and some sashes and things. Is the Klingon candle store and the Klingon mall actually a cool store at the Klingon mall? Kind of seems that way. Yeah, these props are great. This is the type of shit that Garrett Wong should be bidding on, you know? Like, this will yeah. really class up your uh, your garden party. Yeah, I bet. A hunk of metal isn't going to do anything for anyone. The doc wheels over the CRT-TV-VCR combo and is like, I think we might have time to watch Flatliners before we do this. <laughs> Just to really familiarize ourselves with what might happen here. Thomas even more against this plan than Janeway was, and... He's even down to like convert to Klingonism to stop her. This is such a great point by you because do you feel like Paris was expecting the captain to say no? And now he's put in that awful position of like, if he thought the captain were going to say no, that means he doesn't have to. It kind of gets him <laughs> off the hook. Right. But now that she says yes, like, what are you going to do? You can't be the guy who says no here. <laughs> He'd look like an asshole. <laughs> oh, I would be so upset if I were Paris. Yeah. Instead, he has to be a party to it, right? He has to go, like, work the computer with the captain. Supportive husband of the dead! <laughs> <laughs> they they make, like, a force field around the bio bed, and uh, the EMH is standing inside it and starts, like, recreating the conditions of the ionic storm that killed her before. We see her eyelids get heavy and her neural activity decline, and she wakes up again. She kind of half-brandos, which is how you know she isn't dead all the way. Yeah. 
But she squirts a little bit, for sure. Yeah. I mean, how could you not? Pretty sad if you're Paris watching her brain function slow to a <laughs> crawl. Like, ugh. That sucks. I haven't seen her brain function slow to a crawl that bad since, uh, you know, early in our dating when I was really knocking it out with her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, we're kind of past the honeymoon phase and uh, it's gotten very routine. I don't think that uh, it's having the same effect. Yeah, we we left our masks and latex phase (laughs) pretty long ago (laughs) after a few close calls. (laughs) So she wakes up on the barge again, this time dressed as a warrior. I like this. I couldn't tell if she was like trying to sneak around this time. Like It seems like it. But she's not like hiding her presence. She's just like turning away from people so they don't recognize her. This is a uh, like a half-filled barge subway car. Right. You know? Skulking around. That's the one you're looking for. You don't want to get on the uh, the empty barge subway car because that one's going to have something smelly in it. I had subway doors close on me on my trip to New York, uh-huh. and it fucking hurt. Yeah. Those things really close hard. Yeah, those are those doors are no joke. Yeah, that's why they say stand clear of the closing doors, please. I mean, I was just trying to make it in time. The rest of my friends had gotten on board ahead of me. Oh, I almost man. got left behind. You almost dealt with the nightmare scenario. I know. I know. Having to wait for the next train. <laughs> yeah, no one wants that. Now that cell phones work in the subway, that is not the the bad thing that it used to be. <laughs> yeah. They used to be like, well, I might never see them again. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> almost. So BLT skulks down to the lower area of the barge of the dead. The uh basement. Of the dead! (laughs) And she finds her mom down there. And her mom is pissed, and I think it's because of BLT's big city apology. Right. Not a good apology, BLT. I'm sorry if I dishonored you. Nope. Yeah. You gotta go quad box here. Just because you killed yourself to come here and do that doesn't mean that we're accepting your atonement in this moment. Really got to apologize to Wendy for my head cold. I got to get the mute button set up here. <laughs> so, yeah, they kind of pick up their argument right where they left off 10 years ago. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like you never want your rescue mission to devolve into an argument with the person you're there to rescue. Like, no. she was just there to like get her mom off of the barge. Yeah. Not to like resolve their entire conflict, W slash R slash T observing Klingon ritual. It's almost as if she's behind enemy lines, but her mission is just to take pictures. Yeah. Under no circumstances are you to engage the enemy. I feel like this happens to me every time. Like, you die, yeah, and then you meet your, your dead parents, and instantly you're just behaving the way you did around them when you were a teenager. Yeah. It's very humiliating. I know you don't want to do it. Do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. I don't find very many depictions of the afterlife believable, but this one. (laughs) (laughs) This one really makes sense to me. Yeah. Just an unforgiving parent for eternity. Yeah. And you're stuck on mass transit to a place you may not ever get to. 
Ah. And BLT is like, we don't have time for this fucking bullshit. Like, there's a ritual we got to do to get you out of here. Like, I read in that scroll. Yeah. They kind of pitched the idea to the captain, Kortar. Yeah. And after a little bit of arguing her point, Kortar agrees to the deal and Morale, BLT's mom, is released before the Barge of the Dead arrives at Greethor. And you know they're about to get to Greethor because there's the tone that plays. Mm-hmm. Next stop! <laughs> Greethor Station! <laughs> Greethor Station! Next stop! Transfer is available to <laughs> Hell Hades! <laughs> <laughs> and Burrow Hall. <laughs> Stand clear of the closing doors, please. On top of BLT's mom not being interested in the idea of like tricking her way into Stovacor, she she's like, I'd rather go to Grethor and like suffer this dishonor than have you come in here and do some like oopsie daisy trick and like pull the wool over uh Kortar's eyes. And, and have no punishment fall on either of us. The whole indignity of this is that it feels like a cheat, right? Right. And BLT's mom is a spiteful-ass lady. Like She's like, yeah. she's not down with that at all. You still understand nothing about being a Klingon. I don't know. Like, if Morale ever got a look inside the gates of Greethor the way BLT does, she might change her tune. Because it looks hot in there. Yeah. Real hot. Looks positively uncomfortable. Yeah. But BLT talks Kortar into a deal where they will drop her off in Grethor and let her mom go. And the symbolism of this is that the uh, the brand transfers from the mom's cheek to BLT's cheek. Yeah. It sort of seemed like he went for the scheme that she was proposing after rejecting it, though, because wasn't it like... I'm not going to let her go until after you're like inside those gates. Yeah, it feels a little premature. Yeah. Anyway, she talks him into it, and it's time to start pulling up on on these gates that we've been hearing so much about. They looked really familiar to me, Adam. The gates? The gates of Grethor. It was a real, like, uh, Miss Morale, my dear Miss BLT. Welcome to Jurassic Tapak. Tuvok is the one that knocks her off the plank? This is so weird. This is when the episode really gets bizarre in a really useful way because, like, we've cut before to Six Bay where BLT is coding and Doc and Paris try to get to work on reviving her. But then BLT wakes up in a kind of Six Bay, which is actually Grethor. And when Neelix and the Doctor are there to greet, I mean... You know you're in hell when Neelix is there, right? But, like, <laughs> Feklar's not there and no Cavern of Despair. It turns out hell is Voyager. Hell is Voyager. The EMH is going to be singing and Neelix is her guide. So that checks out. Yeah, none of this feels not hell at this point. <laughs> and so BLT finds herself back in the mess hall for Janeway's toast and you feel like shit's about to go down again, right? You do. We haven't seen... Feklar at all. You're wondering, is Janeway Feklar? You can't have Feklar on a carpeted set. I think that's what made the TNG episode work. Feklar was clearly like on linoleum tile. (laughs) 
<laughs> you just floor squeegee behind Fecklar right. on that shooting day. Do you think that they gave any thought to like putting the characters in costumes other than what they wear on the ship to make them look more demony? Yeah, but that's hard when you're trying to make your day and you're and you're going back and forth and stuff. Yeah. It would be fun. I don't know if you need it. A lot of these sequences happen really fast and you know what they don't have in costuming, they make up in atmosphere. Yeah. Other atmosphere like with light and camera angle and camera lens. I think it works as is. I do too. I just like I think that like especially with Neelix and his kind of like flowery, highly colorful costume. I was like, oh, that's kind of an interesting choice. Like <laughs> Neelix as Necklar would be really fun though. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's just wet Neelix. That's all. This devolves into the Friars Club roast of BLT, where they are all telling her about all of the things that they don't care for about her, the way that she keeps them at arm's length. Yeah. That uh, she doesn't embrace all of the different roles she plays in different people's lives, whether it be, you know, Starfleet officer or Mayquis or girlfriend or whatever. This has worked in Star Trek before, notably with the wormhole alien visions that Cisco has. Right. I like how this feels to see characters we're familiar with talking this way. It's scary. Her mom arrives in a Starfleet uniform and the argument continues. There's your uniform change, Ben. I guess so. How about that? <laughs> BLT is asking for, you know, like, tell me the answer. Like, tell me what this is supposed to be making me realize. Like, <laughs> obviously this is about me receiving an important message. This is like the breakdown. I keep comparing this to other TNG episodes, but like the Eyes in the Dark Deanna Troy episode I feel like finally devolves at the end with Troy going, what the fuck is this? Just tell me the answer. <laughs> on and on with eyes in the dark. Like, I, I'm tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> exhausted. This is like that breaking point for BLT. She's like, she's going through it. She's like, metaphor. <laughs> but for what? Right. The last thing her mom says to her is uh, to uh, choose to live, which, um, you know, usually Klingons are telling you to choose your pain. Right. Yeah. But um, she comes back up onto the deck of the barge and is given a sword by Tuvok and, you know, is being asked to fight all of them. But she decides to fling the sword into the water. The camera follows the batleth as it kind of frisbees into the water and then it gets eaten by this double-headed Klingon eel. <laughs> and the eel fucking dies. Yeah. Meal of the eel! Do dead eels go to Grethor? No. Oh, I think they go to, uh, they become Unagi. <laughs> <laughs> That'll put lead in your pencil. <laughs> There's like a really like beautiful rainbow bridge that the Klingon eel... Waits mm -hmm. at yeah for when Quartar finally passes. <laughs> they get to go over together. Yeah. That's nice. All eels go to Stovokor. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems like this is uh, enough for Mom to go to Stovokor. Or does she just live? I mean, it's hard to say, right? BLT having chosen to stop fighting, whatever she means by that definition. 
suggests that her mom gets with that as the point of this all along. Stop fighting. Right. Stop resisting everybody. She's like, fine, I will. And then her mom's like, all right, I guess I'll see you again when either you come home or I'm dead. (laughs) It's going to be really weird when BLT makes it home and like tries to strike up a conversation with her mom and her mom is not aware of any of this and is like, I'm still mad at you. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Estrangement of the family. (laughs) There is a really poignant episode at the very, very end, right? So BLT wakes up and she's alive. She doesn't appear to have brain damage, but you aren't really sure with the way that she hugs Captain Janeway, because this is very out of character for her. Yeah. I mean, it sort of implies that she has has brain damage, right? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Hugs her and she goes, (laughs) (laughs) she just hugs her so hard she kills her. Like she just straight up (laughs) Lenny's Janeway at the end. We're going to Stovo Corps. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> Did you like this episode, Ben? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullets. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. I did. I I think this is a very interesting treatment of spirituality in Star Trek, which is not always Star Trek's strongest suit. But spirituality as a way of understanding oneself, as a way of um, connecting more deeply with one's identity and without it needing to be something that everybody else has to all, all get on board with. Right. Is what this episode really accomplishes. Please let more people take that away from this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a really powerful uh character study for BLT and made me think in new and interesting ways about her. So uh, I really liked this episode. How about you? I really like how the episode ends. I think that that embrace between Janeway and BLT feels earned and good. And I hope it leads to an interesting relationship between them going forward. I think This show doesn't know what to do with the Paris and BLT relationship, though. I don't understand the choices being made about either sidelining Paris or involving Paris in BLT's life, episode to episode. I don't really believe their relationship in any way. There doesn't seem to be much heat to it. In a way that in the beginning, it felt like there was some of that. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a thing between the two actors. Like, you know, sometimes two actors just don't have that chemistry. And maybe this is an example of that. Or maybe this is an example of the writers just not knowing quite how to create, you know, that inter-office thing that you get on on Miriam sitcoms for the past 20 years, you know? Right. Like, it, it just doesn't seem to feel real to me. I think more than anything, it's an episode that, is made for the theme park of Star Trek that needs to be on the way, right? Barge of the Dead feels like a fun ride Mm -hmm. that I want to get on. Yeah. 
It's the Pirates of the Caribbean of the Star Trek theme park, right? Tell you what, the the people riding the Barge of the Dead ride don't put their hands and feet into the water because it is red, <laughs> really red. <laughs> and 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 you don't want to get eaten by those double-headed eels either. No, you do not. Yeah, I mean, put Barge of the Dead in the in the column for theme park on a on a long long list of things I hope are on the way. Me too. You can make a Super Mario world and you can't make a Star Trek world. Come on. Give me a break. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Fun to talk about though, Ben. Fun indeed. You know what else is fun, Adam? Is the messages we get in our Priority One inbox every week. Let's head on over there. Priority Ones of the Dead. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first Priority One message is from I-W-A-Y-H Joshua to H-W-I-M-H Caleb. That message goes like this. Now, when two gay guys want to build a house, what you want to do to save the marital bliss is appoint a neutral third party to help settle disputes, much like a tan neutral wire on a standard electrical junction. (laughs) A year later, I'm happier here with you and hope you'll finally admit you're pleased with the countertops. XO! (laughs) I'm with Caleb. I don't think the countertops are right. I think Joshua screwed up big time. Oh, no! Yeah. No, it's the wrong color. It's the wrong material. No good. It's tough when you you fuck up a countertop. Mm. It's there to stay. (laughs) (laughs) Not much you can do to cover it up. Yeah. Oh man, congrats on uh, on building your home together, Caleb and Joshua. That sounds great. More than a dispute about countertops, the project of building a house together sounds rife with argument. Yeah, when uh, when you and your special person have that many high stakes decisions to make together in that short a period of time, so many it can be really tricky. Yeah, yeah. But you made it, you two. Congrats. Our second priority one message here is from Brian McGrain. It's to Benjamin Ayer, Adam, and my buddies Paul and Ben. And it goes like this. Justice for Harry Kim. In the U.S. Navy, promotion from ensign to lieutenant junior grade is almost automatic after two years, then to lieutenant after four. In season five, Harry Kim should have two full pips. In fact, all Starfleets should. Not you, Paris. Harry's been senior staff since day one, and not just in bed. If Janeway sees Harry as a protege, why hold back his rank? Do pips even matter at this point? So far from home, Harry gets to do all the cool shit. Yeah. He's not pipped for it. He isn't pipped for it. Has he expressed a desire to be pipped? I think that's an aspect to this that the show doesn't really comment on. Like, if he's straining against the machinery of Starfleet not wanting to pip him I might be liable to feel this way but I don't feel like Kim is unhappy with his station 
I wonder if it's something that like has to go through proper channels and like Janeway isn't empowered to just elevate people's ranks without it and <laughs> and so everybody's just like hey let's be cool and let this be what it is you know I am empowered to allow a flatline mission for one of my crew people but <laughs> I am not allowed to give extra pips all willy-nilly. I can only take them away. Maybe it's like the uh, interspatial probe, you know? Like, they, they set out on their mission with a certain number of pips. They don't have extras to give out. They have one extra, and it's Tom's old pip, and it's in Janeway's top drawer. Oh, I'd be ripping pips off deads <laughs> if there were pip scarcity like that. Come on. Uh, That's not the kind of thing you throw away. <laughs> Well, uh, if you'd like to get a Priority One message to engage in some uh, some pip disputes or some congratulating of your special person on finishing a big project, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron to get yours today. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I'm going to give it to BLT. When she meets Kortar... She's like, how the fuck do you know who I am? And he like starts listing other times she's been on the barge. Like she's been close to death several times. That's great. And given her recent penchant for making attempts on her own life, it seems like she she and Cortar should be like, oh, you again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't buy all the surprise, all the feigned surprise of this interaction that BLT is is having with Cortar. Dramatic flourishes. Of the dead! <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I, I just love the guy who jumps overboard upon hearing the voices. Yeah. They did not intend for this scene to be funny, but the way that guy climbs up and jumps off, <gasps> and then what happens to him after, oh, that poor guy. Oh, that poor son of a bitch. <laughs> this being the afterlife and it being hell would make it seem as though... As soon as this guy's torn to shreds by double-headed Klingon eels, he would appear right back on the barge. Yeah. Like, there's no escape. There are things here worse than death. I don't know. I feel like that that feels like a good way out to me. (laughs) (laughs) You know? I want to be torn apart by eels instead of uh, burning in the hellfire of Graythor. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. Maybe that's what they just want people to think. Hmm. That guy did find a way out. Being eaten by eels is how you get out of hell. But like the word on the street is, nah, that ain't it. Listen to the voices. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The voices are actually good. Yeah. Wow. All right, Ben. Very fun episode this time around and a really fun... I I love being around a lot of Klingons again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, rare Klingon episodes, but uh, this yeah. one was great. Yeah. I, I feel like so rare in Voyager that I really thought that this was a storyline from TNG. Like, yeah. there was a moment when, like, all of these shows were first coming on streaming networks where I was like, ah, oh, remember that one where Worf is on the barge of the dead? And I looked high and low to find the TNG episode that that happened on. And I was like, where the fuck is it? Did I imagine that that even happened? You bring up a great point, though, about how 
this episode would be different if it were Worf and it, if it were a TNG episode. Worf would be so fucking insufferable in the Barge of the Dead. Like, <laughs> he would be all into it. Yeah. Even Quartar would be like, dude, would you just fucking give it a rest? I'll give you some fucking honor so that you can get off this fucking barge. You know what? The only one who can listen to the voices and jump overboard is Worf, son of Moog. <laughs> all right? <laughs> I want to introduce you to some fucking eels. Out in the river of blood, okay? <laughs> this fucking guy. Adam, I want to introduce you to our next episode. It's season six, episode four, Tinker Tenor, Doctor Spy. Mm. The doctor's overactive imagination leads Voyager into real trouble. Back with the doctor, huh? Mm -hmm. Again? Again. Ben, I've taken it on over to the game of buttholes. The will of the caretaker. This is where we figure out how we're going to enjoy the next episode. Game board of the drunk. Currently our runabout is on square 35. One square ahead, Neelix's galley. That's a drinking episode. That is. That is about the only thing relevant ahead. Okay. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Got the die in my hand, I'm gonna give it a roll. Oh, you want me to uh, blow on that die for good luck? Ben, I rolled a five. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. It puts us on square 40. It's going to be a regular old episode next week. Oh, wow. Okay. We skipped over the Neelix's galley. Looks like that Bronezone episode is getting close at hand, though, Adam. Oh, yeah. FOD favorite Bronezone ep is now in range. How about that? The FODs are my favorite, Adam. We got the ones who support the show on a monthly basis to thank for our livelihoods. You rule. Yeah. And uh, we really appreciate you. Maximumfund.org slash join is how you become a supporter of the show. Yeah, get that, get that monthly bonus content. You keep the show going and you keep it free for everyone who, who can't pay for it. Got to thank Wendy Pretty, our producer and editor. Got to thank Bill Tilly, the card daddy who runs the At Greatest Trek social media accounts. Look for those accounts all over the social web and use the hashtag GreatestGen to talk about the show. I encourage you to check out uh, the Friends of DeSoto Mastodon, DrunkShimoda.com Discord, the Greatest Gen subreddit, Facebook groups, uh, lots of great places to hang out with the uh, like-minded, funny folks on the internet. I intended to spend a long time on the Discord when I was in the air, flying to New York and back. The Wi-Fi on my plane fucking sucked. Damn, what the hell? Bad Wi-Fi, couldn't connect. Oh. Yeah, I love chatting up the Discord when I'm on a plane. That's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a fun one. Uh, we got to thank Adam Ragusia, who made our original theme music. Of course, Dark Materia made the original Picard song that that's all based on. Really appreciate those two for uh, making this show sound the way it does. With that, we will be back at you next week. Another great episode of Star Trek Voyager, an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that I assume will have Gary Oldman in it. Oh, yeah. He's a favorite of yours. Mm-hmm. Love the old man. Yeah. We'll be here next week to do the episode, Ben. Because we can take it. 
It's not the episode the Friends of DeSoto deserve, but it's the one they're going to get right now. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.